Hello and welcome to this GBM Media Podcast. You're about to hear Serving Today, a programme for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in any form of Bible teaching, be that one-to-one or in small or larger groups, Serving Today will be relevant for you. Welcome to Serving Today, the programme for pastors and church leaders. I'm Andrew Cook. It's great to be back with you once again. The Spirit World, a new series begins. And Derek French joins us with another name of Christ. We begin here on Serving Today with a series in which we're learning about the meaning of the different names given to Jesus in the Bible. And helping us with this is our good friend, Derek French. One of the most widely used and precious titles given to the Lord Jesus Christ is The Lamb. It's a title found throughout the New Testament with 28 references in the book of Revelation alone. In turn, these are linked with many references in the Old Testament to the sacrificial lambs that were offered to the Lord God. We begin with the famous words of John the Baptist. We discover, as John was ministering, that he saw Jesus coming towards him. And in John chapter 1, verse 29, he declared concerning Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Just a few verses later, in verse 36, again John declared, this time to two of his disciples, Behold, the Lamb of God. Those two men immediately followed Jesus. One of them, Andrew, quickly told his brother Simon Peter, who also became Jesus' follower. John's declaration that as the Lamb of God, Jesus takes away the sin of the world, takes us immediately to the significance of this title. As I mentioned at the beginning, it is based on the Old Testament sacrifices for sin, which all pointed to one who would come, who would once and for all deal completely with sin. Sin is our great problem. We all have sinned, and none are excluded. Therefore we all are in great danger of the judgment of God falling upon us. That judgment is a terrifying prospect, as it will result in being sent to hell itself. The problem with the Old Testament sacrifices was that they could not sufficiently deal with sin once for all. That was why the book of Hebrews tells us they had to be offered again and again. So they pointed towards one who would come, who could deal sufficiently with sin. That one was Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus, as the Lamb of God, stepped in to bear that judgment which sinners deserve in their place as their substitute. Indeed, his sacrifice would be of such infinite effectiveness that he would pay sin's penalty in full, thereby overcoming death, sin's wages, and defeating the great enemy of God and man, Satan or the devil, as he is often called. He would take away our sins by carrying them in his body as he died on the cross. There he suffered in full the punishment that all his people deserved for their sins. He had no sin of his own, but he took ours upon himself and suffered our penalty instead of us. You'll recall how this comes out in Acts chapter 8 when Philip spoke with the Ethiopian eunuch. This man was reading from Isaiah chapter 53 which foretold what Jesus' death would accomplish. In Acts 8 verse 32 we are told, Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. He asked Philip who Isaiah was writing about as he did not understand who this was. In verse 35 we are told, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. Jesus was God's Lamb who was led to the slaughter for the sake of others, for all who would believe in him. 
This idea of Jesus being a substitute comes out in a reference to him in Paul's first letter to the believers in Corinth. In chapter 5 verse 7, Paul refers to his being our Passover lamb who has been sacrificed. This takes us back to the night of the Exodus from Egypt and the last plague of the death of the firstborn. The people of Israel were told to kill a lamb and sprinkle its blood on the lintel and doorposts of their homes. When the Lord passed through the land, he would see the blood and pass over those homes, and the firstborn who were inside it would not die but be saved. So it is with the believer in Jesus. For as our lamb, he died for us, shedding his precious blood, paying sin's penalty in full in our place. Hence we are delivered from the wrath to come. This really is the most remarkable and wonderful and glorious fact, which is all because Jesus is the Lamb. The book of Revelation speaks of the Lamb who was slain, referring to his sacrifice for sins upon the cross. The Apostle Peter, in his first letter and first chapter, writes this from verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. That is, he freely shed his blood as he laid down his life at Calvary. It's that blood which we are told in 1 John chapter 1 cleanses us from all sin. All this, of course, teaches us of the immense cost of that salvation to Jesus himself. His sufferings were immense, more than any others. It was much more than the terrible physical sufferings which were immense themselves, but also the spiritual sufferings as he was made sin for us and was forsaken by his Father as he bore God's wrath in full for every sin he carried. His love for his Father, whose will it was that he should do this, and his love for sinners for whom he died, even though none of us deserved that he should do this for us, is enormous. How good to know we shall have the ages of eternity to thank him. And that's something we begin even now in this life as we praise him who bled and died for us and seek to live for his glory and praise. It's put like this in Revelation 5 verse 12. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing. As we close, we return to the words of John the Baptist about Jesus that we began with. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we note two more points. First, Jesus is God's Lamb. He is God's gift to us. He is God's provision for our sins. Jesus is the Saviour God alone has provided. This tells us just how gracious and merciful God is. And second, Jesus is the saviour of sinners in every part of the world. His salvation is not limited to one nationality or language or social standing or education or wealth. Regardless of where we were born, what language we speak, whether we are high or low in the world's eyes, even if we cannot read or write, whether we are the richest or the poorest person on earth, if from any part of the earth we turn to Jesus and trust in him, he is able to save us from our sins because he is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. As the Lord's servants, how we need to tell the world about Jesus, the lamb of God, and how we need to encourage our people to tell those they meet about him. Solemnly, a day is coming when those who have not believed in Jesus, Revelation 6 verse 16 and 17 tells us, will cry out to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated upon the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? The hymn writer has said concerning Jesus, There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Praise his name.
Yes, indeed, praise his name. Thanks to Derek. Well, it's good to welcome Graham Jones back to the Serving Today programme. Long-time listeners may remember his previous appearances in series on money, finance and work and working with children. By the way, if you're interested in either of those series, do get in touch with us. Our details follow at the end of the programme. We're now going to be thinking about the spirit world and Graham begins by telling us why we're looking at this particular subject. Hello, Andrew and all those listening. I'm sure that all of the listeners believe in the spirit world. We all believe in a supreme being, a God who is involved in this world and involved in our lives. How does God deal with us? What dealings should we have with the spirit world? So, Graham, how are you actually going to address this subject for us? In this series of programmes, we'll consider what the Bible teaches on the matter. We'll do this in three different ways. First of all, we will see what the Bible says about the spirit world. God has revealed what we need to know in the Bible. We need to understand what God says. Secondly, we will think about how to seek God and how God seeks us. All of us long for God's blessings on our lives. How can these be obtained? Then thirdly, we know that in the spirit world there is also evil and wickedness. We will look at the issue of spiritual warfare and we will see the victory that the Lord Jesus Christ has obtained over sin and death and Satan at the cross. And Graham, you've been working as a missionary in Western Kenya for some years now, so you have an understanding of how the spirit world is thought about in this particular part of the world, don't you? Yes, as a small understanding. Let me start by giving a summary of the African traditional spiritual worldview. And then we can see in what way it differs from what the Bible teaches. One way of looking at the African traditional way of viewing the spirit world is that it has four layers or four tiers. The top tier is the supreme being, God. And the bottom or fourth tier is humanity. Between God and mankind is tier two, which contains the spirit world of angels and demons, and also tier three, which is closest to us, the world of the ancestral spirits, the living dead. So these are the four layers, God above all, then the spirit world of angels and demons, then the realm of the ancestors, and then mankind. To an African, God is there. He is the creator an ultimate ruler and benefactor of the whole universe. But God is thought of as very far away. He's above and beyond us, but also distant from us. So how can that large gap between God and mankind be breached? In the African traditional spiritual worldview, God deals with us through tiers two and three, the world of angels and demons, and through the ancestors. The thinking is God is a benevolent, loving and caring God. And unless the beings that dwell in those two layers are happy with us or appeased if we've neglected or offended them, God's blessings cannot reach us. 
It is therefore important to defeat the demons, to uh, appease the ancestral spirits. Only after that will God's blessings come upon us. How then can people know what to do in order to receive God's blessing? In African traditional religion, it's the man of God or the witch doctor who has the secret knowledge or ability to break through those two layers. They tell us what we must do in order to satisfy the spirits of our forefathers. They also engage the demons for us through their midnight trances and dances and incense. Then, and only then, will we know God's blessing on our lives, on our families, on our businesses. This is generally what the African traditional spiritual worldview is. Thanks to Graham Jones for that introduction to the topic of the spirit world. We look forward to hearing from him again here on Serving Today. Don't forget that you can contact us. The details on how to do this follow in just a moment. So until next time, this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye and may God bless you as you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, thanks for listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch with us, you can send us a message via WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. That's plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. Or email us. The address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk. Until next time, goodbye.